It is a wonderful Sunday night. I was in Las Vegas. I finally somehow made it home back to the state of Oklahoma. As always, joined alongside the wonderful Peyton Guthrie and Matt Burton. Boys, I come back from Alabama. I think I have COVID. I oh, am it's not dying. good. I am dying. Yesterday was brutal, but I think it was all well worth it. How was our weekend? Uh, pretty good. No COVID-related stuff for me. So, I mean, you need to go get checked out when you can in the morning. Um, oh, we'll be going to get an at-home test. We're fine. Good. Um, no, yeah, it's a good weekend to me, good day for me. I did what uh, – I don't know if you guys fully have this in your, in your bloodstream yet, being, being a bit younger than I am. But I went to Sam's today, and uh, going oh. to Sam's just feels really good. Going to Sam's or Costco or something, just it, it makes the body feel right. How how many days away were we from our addiction as an adult? Oh, for you guys? Yeah. When, what? No, no. I'm assuming you weren't able to go to Sam's because of the storm. Oh, no, I was fine. I, was fine. I, just, I try to go. I usually go once every two weeks or so. Hip, hip a grocery run. Matt, Dukies took care of business in a big way. They huh? definitely they did. did. I knew you were. I'm like not even. I wasn't going to waste any time. We were going to get like five minutes into uh, this thing, and you were going to talk about it. I was. Uh, I was a little upset. That, not upset because it was for you know a good reason. I mean, I was at one of my buddy's birthday parties last night, so I wasn't able to catch uh, catch any of the game. But I literally, I was doing the whole like talking to his family, but checking down on my phone, like. Okay, they're up 20. Nice. AJ Griffin, the freshman, has a career high 27. Nice. Oh, man. You just, uh, you really hate to see North Carolina down this bad. You hate to see it. <laughs> and then Joe Lenardi put out his thing today, and they were like one of the first four out North Carolina was. Oh, you, you just hate oh. to see that, really. Yeah, somehow they're on the first four out, but Oklahoma's still in the tournament safely. Let's start there tonight because I think. A lot of people, when Oklahoma loses to Oklahoma State, I know Bedlam basketball is all about splitting that series if you can. Playing in Gallagher-Iba is really, really tough. Where the hell did the offense go, Matt? It's uh, it's nowhere to be found. It's nowhere to be found. They can't – like I said last week, man, they still can't throw at the ocean, man. It was good to get Tanner Groves going. I mean, uh, but other than that, man, this team can – they just struggle shooting the basketball, really. They just don't have – and we've, we've talked about this a bunch. I mean, they don't, they don't have one guy that's going to go just get you a bucket. Like, they, they don't have a guy. So No, they do. They just have the Lakers version of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that's rough uh, they just Yeah, it, it's, it was bad, man. And listen, like – I respect it, though. So, like, Elijah Harkless had, what, three turnovers in the first six minutes of the second half the other day? And but he's also had three steals like within the next four possessions. Did you notice that? That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He turned the ball over three times, then had four steals and, and <laughs> had all four of them within like the next five Oklahoma State possessions. It was wild. It's good. I mean, if you're if you're gonna turn it over, I mean, might as well go get it back. 
Yeah. I'll go get it back. That's you know, I applaud him for that. But no, man, this team is just. I mean, it, they're they're barely hanging on to that last four in. Like, I feel like they might be one of those like, um, at this point, right? This is before they mm-hmm. might go on like a huge losing streak. They might be one of those, uh, like you know, those play in games, but they're an eleven seed, right? So they're play in games. So I have to play to see who gets the actual eleven seed. I think that's. If they get in, that's where they'll be in at. But man, it's it's tough going right now. The offense is just terrible. They they, they can't shoot it right now, and they just, they just can't shoot. You can't shoot, and you turn the ball over yep. ten plus times a game. It's gonna be tough to win. Bracket Matrix still has OU as an eleven. I don't know if that's the playing <sighs> game, um, but it looks like it is. So I think um, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I mean somehow get a win against Texas Tech at home, maybe scrap another one of those wins you can't get at home and see what they can do. Peyton, you watched the game Saturday? I did not watch the game Saturday, no. Good. Um, I, I, I'm The fact that you haven't exposed yourself as much to the Oklahoma basketball team this year is better for you. I think I can I speak have, for a lot of people in that regard. Have, I have exposed myself. Uh, I want to change that word. I have a better awareness of the women's basketball team and because the one they're winning yeah, the ball games. Good, good um, change. Yeah. Change that phrasing a little bit. So yeah, I mean, they pull it off double overtime against West Virginia last second shot by who made that shot at the end. I, I didn't catch it. I just was keeping up with them and over Maddie, Maddie Williams. So nine, uh, one-on-one and nine, uh, the 99, 20 and three, nine and two in the big 12. I mean, just a complete turnaround on their side. I mean, it's, it's a juxtaposition between the two uh, programs right now. Uh, You know, you can't have them both be good at the same time, it seems. So Sherry Cole can recruit. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Just wasn't playing the right system. That's what it was. Because I saw Kenny Mossman tweet about it. And when Kenny Mossman, he was just like kind of the same thing. It's like, well, Sherry Cole recruited a great roster and Jenny Buran. Buran. Oh, no. Buranchik. There we go. They're just running and gunning and playing really, really fast. Now, I guess if they don't want to face a team with the Kansas State chick in the in the in the tournament, that wouldn't be good. But this is a team that, like, obviously growing up, you know, with the Paris twins and like we mm-hmm. watched. I watched a lot of the women's team growing up with my grandmother. <laughs> Funny, obviously, but it was uh, a really, really good. And it's again, I. Even with the men's team playing the way they are, I still feel like they got the coaching hires with Buzz because you can see Moser's vision, and obviously Baranchik is – I mean, they're they're going to be like a three or four seed. I don't know if, like how closely they play to Oklahoma City, but it should be pretty close. Oh, you mean Oak City? Oh, don't get me started on that. What is the issue of Oak City? I'm not, I'm not from Oklahoma City. Both of you guys seem to be. What is the issue of Oak City? It has City? nothing to do with Oklahoma City. That's the thing. It's How? Not like we, what do you mean? I guess we have Oak Tree, but like, I just, what do you mean no Oak one tree? says it. Has nothing what? to do with Oak Trees. Say the word Oklahoma. Yeah, but Oak it sounds like City. O-A-K. It's O-A-K. But it's Oak I guess Oklahoma. Even if you want to go deeper, don't we say like, OK, Oklahoma, right? Yeah. From the from the musical, because here was my thinking is like I could get it if it was like oak, as in like OKE for one oak, their ticker, but that doesn't even make sense because they're from Tulsa, so yeah. it doesn't. I don't know. 
Yes, that frustrates the hell out of me. When Charles Barkley said it during the uh, what was it during the finals? Whenever they were in town, like Charles mm-hmm. Barkley kept calling it Oak City, drove me crazy. And I was like 13 at the time, so I'm 14, whatever, because the Thunder have put a 10 year pause between they're going to be competitive or not. Shout out to them though, winning a couple of games without SGA. Three in a row, man. Three in a <laughs> row. Finally got you know finally finally got back in the losing column. Uh, Dorsey anti tank. Yeah. Oh, he's he's going to be out the next game, I believe. So I hope uh, he's with, out with every game facial, the rest of the year and he's training. His, yeah, facial contusion, I think, is what they said. He's got a little face bruise. So he's got to sit the next game out, which actually he's averaging like 26 a game. So that's actually why he's sitting out. <laughs> he's doing too well. Oh, there we go. We yeah. got all the side talk out of the way early so we can dive into the important stuff uh, for this podcast. Uh, we talked on Thursday about signing day. Is there any final thoughts? Um, and that's on our Patreon site. Uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole if you guys would want to do that we'd love to have you gonna have a great interview this week with chris hummer uh weekly podcast from us an extra one uh and then kind of uh hopefully here soon some interview pods every you know tuesday thursday maybe two or three times a week so we'd love to have you guys that's patreon.com slash through the keyhole yeah any final thoughts from national signing day Peyton? well i think just to kind of wrap it up since like you said that was on a our Patreon podcast. I mean, OU finished eighth in all three, I guess, major uh, recruiting services that we're going to say now. I mean, Rivals uh, 24-7 and on three. Uh, all three of them had them at number eight. Uh, Brent Venables came in, was able to secure a, a defensive class to kind of really put his system in place pretty early and quickly. Uh, and then transfers coming in as well to try to solidify, again, that defensive back half and then uh, help out the lines a little bit. I'm a bit concerned about the offensive line recruiting uh, just for this year. I mean, you only got two. I know there's still one more kind of hanging out there, and who knows what might be, what might happen with the uh, – is it Josh Connolly, the five-star? Connerly. Connerly. Washington. I mean, from Washington. Michigan was one of his top, and they just lost their offensive coordinator today uh, who sent out some pretty rough tweets um, – I'm sorry, texts to former players, so – Maybe that door's opening well, a little bit Well, we've more. got a lot to talk sure. about about Mr. Horrible. We could even just I get know. into it after you're done here. Rough business for him. So, um, overall, I think it's a really good class. It's got some uh, impact wide receiver that I'd like to see about it. It's got a, um, a quarterback that might be able to guide the ship for a year while OU has uh, Jackson Arnold get up to speed uh, in that timeline, depending on what Dylan Gabriel does. But the offensive line recruiting on that, just getting two of them's rough. Um, and the people who I've heard about, um, think only one of them might be actually good. Um, and Keegan, I want to ask you about this. So I, I'm listening to people, I'm hearing stuff, and they're saying, hey, I'm being told from inside sources or something that you got two offensive linemen, and one of them is pretty much you're like, yeah, he's probably going to be like a Jag type player. I'm not going to name names or anything. I don't want to embarrass anybody or like say anything like that or burn a bridge. Well, it, it seems to me that's like the general ideas, like from people who are like, quote unquote, in the know, they're thinking, yeah, this player or just any player, this player might not be like an impact player. Why, why do programs, if that is the general idea of a player, why do programs like OU continue to go after them? Is it just for depth or is there like they see something we don't see or is it let's get into the program and hope something happens? I mean. Walk me through that. Cause I know you identify players as well sometimes too. And you can sit there and scratch your head thinking, I don't know what they're, I don't know why. They're yeah. Doing we've had this. that. I mean, and there's been some misses, like I'm always about accountability and self accountability. I mean, 
I had Trevin West as first to the portal, like uh, my superlative yeah. a couple years ago. And, you know, he was a guy that comes in and plays as a freshman. And, like, no, I mean, from what I understand, he's the fastest player on the team. But he, did, so, he did go into the portal, correct? And came back. So you're kind of correct. Kind of. He went to the portal. Yeah. But he came back. I mean, he still played as a freshman, though. And, like, I never expected mm-hmm. that. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you have misses, like, across the board. And <laughs> we're going to talk about it tonight. Like, I'm down in a place in, in New Orleans and, like – or not New Orleans, in Mobile, Alabama, with hundreds of NFL personnel. And some of the things those guys say, you're just like, okay, like, you know. So you have misses. And, like, I think that – if I'm trying to picture, because let's just talk about this, say names, whatever. I can't do that crap. Sorry about that. Uh, from the Texas yeah. side of things, they signed six, seven offensive linemen, two five stars, you know, four or five of them look pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. They were worried that Jacob Sexton was a guard and a guy that doesn't have a lot of positional versatility and he's not doesn't have great length. Um, you know, he doesn't have the qualities needed. And that was coming from the Texas side. So – I have Deer Creek tape. I've watched some things. <laughs> uh, I like I like him. Now, I do think he could. He's probably going to be a guard. Um, mm-hmm. I would say if you have a concern about Sexton, it's that he's more like Eric Swinson than he is Ben Powers. Is that good? I think that analogy yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah, that works. Um, but he's got a mean streak. He's got a wrestling background, you know, like there's a lot of qualities to like about him as a player. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's always going to be conversation about maybe this guy's going to take a little bit longer to get going than we need him to, than we thought, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, I think when, cause a lot of it is just relying and, you know, even, you're getting in these high schools these days, but even with some COVID restrictions and still with those stuff, I mean, there's, and even with Sexton, right? Like we've talked about offensive linemen at the next level. Um, There's just not a lot of really good college offensive lines out there right now. And so what that impact has been from either a, I've said this and I've tried to be nice about it, but like big body people being away from strict diet and nutrition and as well as strength conditioning could be a problem. That's just a theory I have. Maybe that's why we kind of saw offensive line development across the board not be as strong as what it usually is. But, yeah, I mean, I think that just to wrap up this, I you know, it's so hard because evaluating prospects isn't a perfect thing. It's not a – it's an inexact science. You're Everybody's trying to chase it to figure it out, you know. And so, I don't know, I would be, it would be interesting. I mean, I think there's some guys that they've recruited that I'm like, I, I, I mean, I think I've even said this, Peyton, about the, the transfer from Hawaii, Jonah Luala. Like, he's only mm-hmm. got two years to play. And he's got a long way to go. Long way to go. Now, Jamar Kane's in Norman. There's nothing against Miguel Chavez. Chavez. Have we established what how his what his last name what it sounds like? Do we have a? I think when they inter- when they interviewed him on uh, I was watching on Sooner Sports TV, uh, they just said Chavis. Chavis, 
Yeah. Like we just don't, I, we don't have enough background of him yet for me to feel confident that a guy like the transfer from Hawaii is going to be more than just depth. Right. So, I mean, I think I answered it the best way I could there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, OU only takes <laughs> trying two. not to throw not to, I try yeah, not yeah, to yeah. throw anybody under the bus either. Yeah. I mean, OU only OU only takes two. Texas takes six. I think right? so. Seven, six or seven. I can't remember exactly. I mean, do you think it was Bill just wanting to say, "Hey, these these are the only two I feel comfortable about"? Because like what you're saying, like you're not able to get hands hands on some of these people visiting. Most kind of restricted during this class still. And Texas just seemed to take everyone they could. I mean, do you think you think Bill's missing out on stuff, or it was they just wanted to to take who they thought would fit immediately, and then like maybe kick the can down the road a little bit and use the transfer portal, which they have. Obviously, I think that's I think the latter piece of it is because there's just so much access that these guys now have to the portal, mm-hmm. um, even just from being down in the last week and talking to people down at both events. Like, there's just there's so much access to information and everybody's tampering like way more than what's being talked about. Um, and so, yeah, I would imagine that beaten probably believes that he's going to be able to get a guy in the portal, like even take a, like even some of those Texas offensive linemen, right? Like, like there's gonna be one of those guys is gonna have to hit the portal at some point. Um, and like take the uh, offensive lineman from the DFW area that they were after Cole Hudson, thinks his name like that was a guy that Oklahoma recruited really really hard so yeah I think that they've got to do better like this is a monster class for them upcoming in 2023 like they need to take six maybe I'm pulling up the scholarship chart I got done yesterday also available on our Patreon um like yeah they've got to take I mean there's you got not again (laughs) trying to do our best not to hate on people or even that at all, but you guys got like, you got guys like Marcus Alexander and Marcus Hicks that are juniors, maybe fourth year juniors. Right. And it's like, you could, you know, if those guys aren't ready yet, maybe they won't be. And then Daryl Simpson, Wanya Morris, you know, McCade Matower's an older guy. You know, Robert Conville, you lose McIver and Murray, you know, those are eight, Mm -hmm. that's eight guys. That's eight spots right there. And so maybe, you know, Marcus Hicks, I think, I don't think the jury's out on them by any means. Um, But you know, you would hope that here pretty quickly that if he's going to put everything together, he's going to put everything together. So I, yeah, kick it down to the portal, but they've got to land. I mean, when you look across the board about what they're about to go be competing with, I mean, they got to go get six guys this upcoming class and probably three guys that are immediately ready to play um, or land another guy in the portal. Uh, Wanye Morris, you know, being turning into an elite player this year would probably help in yep. terms of portal recruiting. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the stuff you need to have happen. I mean, you still got a decent depth on the roster. They brought in the two two transfers, right? Two offensive lineman transfers, uh, I believe, um, and working through that. And hopefully it's all going to work out the way it needs to. Um, you know, Smitty being back, you're going to bulk up some size. So things are going to be a little bit harder to move to a certain degree. And I say, I actually, that might be a lie. I say bulk up some size. I think last year, OU was 314 across the board uh, in their average. So there have been some big boys anyway. So, um, yeah, just, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Have you tap dance around uh, that as well? That was pretty entertaining. Uh, but uh, Jim Harbaugh, he's not someone you have to worry about. What's going on in Michigan? What's happening? Okay. So Harbaugh, yeah, having the dance, that tap dance has been a fun little act over the last week. Um, 
he was putting a staff together for the Vikings on Tuesday before his meeting on Wednesday. I think he had full intentions of getting that job. And then like he, you think he went, it was it Wednesday. He went down Wednesday thinking it was a contract offer day. Correct. That everything was, everything was down the road enough. Yeah. And then just something happened, I guess. Because early word, so when the Harbaugh rumors to the Raiders started, the early mm-hmm. word was that Gaddis was going to be the guy that replaced him. But I heard some stuff down this week, obviously, that that wasn't going to be the case and that they were going to probably go to a national search. Uh, maybe a guy like Matt Rule could be interested mm-hmm. in that job. It's weird how Matt Rule is looking at a bunch of different colleges, huh? It is weird how Matt Rule is looking at it. And it's also weird how the uh, the next coming, the savior of Boston coordinators, couldn't hold on and only got a QB job. So, um <laughs> they, they both may they both may be bad as joe brady and matt rule they both may be less than what we thought they were well to, unfortunately for your all the theories and hypothesis out there joe brady just got his hands on uh josh allen for a couple years so he can ride that sunset he can ride um, it yeah he can until, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll get another oc job quick yeah probably within like two within like year and a half two years mm-hmm. so yeah it'll be uh i don't know what's going on but the michigan thing's so intriguing because it's by the obviously looks of it now, and I think it's kind of all out there, like you said, the texts and all that fun stuff. Um, he didn't have a ton of support besides Harbaugh at Michigan. Yeah. And Michigan men get what Michigan men want, you know? I guess that's the best way to put it, so I don't have to tap dance anymore. Yeah. I mean, so I guess, I guess the guy just wasn't a, a cultural fit, you know, in that area and the way that he wanted to do stuff. Um, and, you know, some of these hardcore, these hardcore schools are just like that. They're strange. I mean, even Miami, which is like a super hardcore, hardcore uh, football program, the school, I mean, obviously they produce talent, but you can tell they haven't been on top of it in a while. I mean, they want Miami men. <laughs> they want, they want that whole thing, just like Michigan, Michigan. I mean, cause, um, I don't think Manny Diaz had gone to Michigan. I can't remember, but I know like his dad was like the mayor of Michigan. I mean, sorry, mayor of Miami. Uh, so like Miami wants Miami people. Michigan wants Michigan people. I mean, hell, look at OU. They want OU people at a certain degree. I, I wonder if we're going to start seeing that a little more fiefdoms to a certain degree in these bigger programs who just own. Everyone's got program interact. guys, I guess, Peyton. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, get the program, guys. Uh, it's it's interesting <laughs> to see college football get even more and more and more consolidated around these programs for even just the coaching hires and stuff. I mean, especially I guess with the NIL and the, and the recruitment, how it is, and everything being sooner and quicker and faster, you don't have time to hire outside the cycle or hire somebody outside the system. So um, it's 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 pretty interesting. It's a good point, especially that last one in terms of timing. Because you mm-hmm. like you've got to get a coach hired these days, unless you're crystal ball, I guess. You got to get a coach hired, coordinators hired, staff put together, and then ride that honeymoon phase for a year as long as as fast as you can get to that point. Um yeah, crystal ball lucked out in my I mean, crystal ball lucked out in my opinion. I mean, he had been two months since he'd been able to hire an offensive coordinator and gets gas. He's waiting he's on Joe one. Brady. He's waiting. Yeah, he's waiting. He's waiting on somebody. Because who was going to go with Joe? Yeah. <laughs> no, he had hired. If I I cannot remember the timeline, but I remember he had offered somebody the it offensive coordinator job. It was the McClendon, the interim head coach that in the in the uh, Alamo Bowl. He was yes. the 
Oh, and then he went to Georgia, but yeah, I, mean, I was told that was just a place, that was just placeholder, like placeholder that, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just seems kind of strange. There's a lot of people really hyped up on Cristobal, but I'm like, eh, it, it's hard if you're taking two full months to get a staff put together. But he seems he, in my opinion, seems he's able to wait and wait and wait, and then something kind of falls in your lap. And I, I mean, I like Gaddis. I, I enjoyed watching the Michigan offense this year a lot. I mean, obviously, you wish it could be a little more explosive, but you know, I like running north and south, and that was fun to watch. I mean, you, there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know? Like, you could be the Browns or you could be the Chiefs. And yeah. both styles at that level have, you know, same success. Um, essentially, if you can get a quarterback to understand that he needs to sit out and not be Superman because he's not Superman. Oh, the stuff I heard down Mobile, we'll dive into it more later as the time progresses and I can ask around to do some things, Peyton. But – Oh, Baker. Oh, Baker. He's got to get – he's got to figure some stuff out away from the football field. Um, oh, well. That's always could... been his thing. We've always known this. <laughs> I We've was going to say, who could have saw that coming yeah. in that he awkward had the flu, silence? had the flu at the Rose Bowl and everything. No, we all know. <laughs> so, it's uh, it's been – yeah, it, college football has been nuts. I was like, signing day's done for me, Peyton, and like, Usually that's the second Christmas of the year, like fully bought into it. Who's signing who, who's getting who. And then I was hoping maybe the sport itself would give a couple days before being crazy. It's like that Rob Perez meme that he has with like zero days since the NBA has been dramatic or something like mm-hmm. college football has reached that point. And I, from a content perspective, it's perfect. I mean, it's been madness for a month madness. And speaking of madness, did learn some stuff about USC over the weekend. That is, it's on our Patreon page. I'm going to try to keep that as private as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But the tea leaves going back. Now you're connecting dots. And like, it even gets to the point, Peyton, like hearing some stuff about how the program was run. So like, you know, say I reach out to a source at Oklahoma and they tell me something like there's information that people at OU didn't really have, but like they were, they relied upon it from the people that did know. Does that make, I hope I, does that make sense? Like say, I don't think Lincoln ever was telling people to leak stuff out on purpose. No, but like Mm -hmm. putting their employees in your, staff in a tough spot you know like because if you know these people are talking to people on the outside anyways it's just for lincoln riley's sake i hope things have changed a lot at usc but based on the fact that he won't even return text messages to some of his closest um, workers at oklahoma is pretty uh pretty bad and moving on you can you can read the rest of that on a through the keyhole Patreon. Uh, <laughs> subscribe to one of our many tiers. Um, moving on to a different point, I'm going to drive the bus for a second. Where does Dylan Gabriel? I want to try to look at 2022. We've we've talked so much about 21 and, and Lincoln Riley and all that stuff through the last few weeks, but 2022. Where does Dylan Gabriel rank in the Big 12 quarterback tier system? Where do you have him ranked in your brain? Top one, I mean, top who would two, be number, top who three. Who would be number one? 
Oh man, that's, I mean, I, I can't. It, do you give it to I the reigning Spencer Big Sanders Twelve? Like by yeah, the reigning Big Twelve. It, it would be Spencer Sanders by default, but like that's going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of projection about who's going to be from Texas. You know, like obviously a lot of people think highly of Quinn Ewers and the Donovan Smith kid at Texas Tech. Like a lot of people think very highly of him, but it's a lot of projection. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Texas tech guys think they've got the best guy. Yeah. But here's the, I think everyone kind of thinks they have the best guy for sure. Kitley, the offensive coordinator, they're going to try to see if Shuck can run their offense first from what I understand. And that's just the Tyler Shuck, the transfer from Oregon. And that's just, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't buy into that at all. So I'm trying to think I, who you see. 12... I, mean, I, I like Adrian Martinez probably more than the rest of the people on this call. Oh, I think I think Kansas State would be a good system for him. That think Adrian Martinez could be an NFL quarterback. By the way, I think if you just get him away from the Scott Frost, he's got well, he's got one year to prove that he can play an actual level. Um, then I mean, I don't know. I mean, does Chandler is Chandler Morris? Is he going to be starting at TCU? I mean, Max Duggan's back, right? Like, that's the – trying to figure out the Big 12 for next year is going to be a puzzle. Like, I'm not even fully 100%, like, mm-hmm. even think that I understand what it looks like. And, like, you and I both want to figure that stuff out by, like, December. Like, what's look at what it looks like for 2023 or for 2022. So, it's – Gabriel is in that top tier, like, heading into the year. Yeah. But there's going to be so much movement in the Big 12 next year because there's so many unknowns. Um, like, Gabriel probably firmly could finish from a production standpoint, right? Like, stuff that happens, not getting, like, deep analytics and advanced statistics and that, but just overall production. Like, he's probably going to be a top three or four quarterback in the Big 12 just because of Levy's offense. Yeah. 24-7 has Dylan Gabriel as the number eight overall returning quarterback um, in front of any – no other Big 12 team in the uh, top ten of their ranking. So, I mean, I think he's going to be in the top – yeah, to the top third, top three, uh, and then just on name alone, program alone, and then figure out the rest of it after that. It's – I mean, I know this for sure. Like, West Virginia, obviously, I don't know what that looks like. They got – supposedly going to have a quarterback battle between Garrett Green and a true freshman named Nico Markial, which will be fascinating. Iowa State loses Brock Purdy. Um, they're going to replace him with the Deckers, the lefty that came in in the OU-Iowa State game in Norman. He's going to be their quarterback. Uh, Kansas' quarterback's probably underrated. Uh, I don't know. It's Jaden Daniels, right? Something like that. J-A-D-O-N. Um, Daniels, I think, is his last name. So, it's yes. going to be fast. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, and then what Baylor does, like, like obviously you saw what they could be with Blake Shapin, but Gary Bohannon returns, Jerry, Gary, whichever it may be. Bohannon returns. <laughs> um, you see Bill, you see Bill Connolly's tweet about Baylor today. I did not know. Yeah. I think Bill wrote like Baylor has, you know, the best offensive line, defensive line returning in the big 12. I would agree with that lose lose a lot of their wide receivers and defensive backs which like all those two things equal each other as much and he's like Baylor's one of the toughest teams to project because like they do have a tough schedule they go to BYU the first game against Jaron Hall Jaron Hall is really really good um we'll be talking about BYU more this offseason um for those reasons because they have a very favorable schedule but Baylor has a they I believe they have road games 
at Oklahoma. Um, they go to Iowa State. I don't have the schedule completely pulled up in front of me. I believe maybe they got to go to Texas. I mean, it's a it's a tough schedule to be able to go back to back and win the Big Twelve. Even get to the point where they were a playoff contender. You know, if they don't blow the game in Fort Worth this year. Yeah, if if they have, I'm looking at his, his tweet right now. It says a great experience at quarterback, by far the best O line in DL in the Big Twelve, among the best in college football. I mean, if their O line and D line are that high above everyone else, um, they I mean they may just be betting favorites at that point in time. I mean, um, that's rough. That that's rough for OU to kind of see try to get back on the mountaintop, especially. I mean, we have a. Uh, let me pull up. Oh. Because OU's obviously returning. I mean, having a lot of changeover. I'm bringing up the tweet. I've saved for uh, future purposes. So sure. OU is OU's obviously replacing head coach, <laughs> replacing QB1 and QB2, replacing uh, two running backs, replacing four of the five top pass catchers, re- replacing three of the five starting offensive linemen, replacing three to four top tacklers, and re- replacing all three sack leaders. Um, it's, it's You kind of start thinking – do does do they kind of have a point? Do they, the national media, the ones who are out to get you, do they have a point? Oh, holding you can OU rap, out you of the can, top twenty-five. You can mention Kyle Umlong's name here. That was a dumb tweet. Oh, that um, was him. Yeah, but I'm saying like the national media are, are using stuff like that and to hold OU out of the top twenty-five on these like recent, recent, recent production. You know, like uh, way, 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 way too early. I mean, Stuart Mandel is that fair in any way, shape, I, or form? He. Anyways, I'm not going to go on a Stuart Mandel rant, um, but I think there's some truth to it. You know, I've been quiet for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't shared my opinion very much on Oklahoma, so good job on finally getting it out of me. It's it's a weird situation. Their talent profile is twice, three times as much as what the rest of the league is, mm-hmm. besides Texas. They are They still have great possibilities in terms of pass rush. I think that they're going to have more disciplined linebackers. I think they have as, the same amount of speed in the defensive backfield. I think that is area upgrades. I don't think wide, wide receivers fine, just like it was a year ago. Offensive line going to be better. And you added Dylan Gabriel, and that's the, that's the thing. Like I'm of the belief that Oklahoma is in contention to win the Big 12 but that's kind of that's kind of it, and I think that's like a different a, like mindset. a ten and two season type thing, right? I think that they're in a position where, like, there's a difference between Oklahoma is going to win the Big Twelve and Oklahoma can win the Big Twelve. And I think I may mm-hmm. have mentioned that before, and that's just two different kinds of expectations. And you know, I think there's people out there that think Oklahoma is going to step in and go, you know, 11 and one, they've upgraded every coach on the staff. They've, they've got, they got Schmitty back. They got all the program guys in the program and I'm on board with that. I think long-term, like I'm a buyer whenever you look and we've got it projected out on our Patreon, it's on the Google sheet. I make every off season. I've, I use it a lot during the season um, for conversations and research and as a resource, you know, like, there is a clear path to Oklahoma getting to an Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama level. They just have to kick this thing up a notch and recruit it. And whether, you know, figuring out what the portal looks like from a how much it really matters. <laughs> because, like, there's transfer portal rankings, right? 
but like those are so subjective mm-hmm. and like i you know you're relying on a lot of faith and in, in people's eyes and like don't get me wrong i'm <laughs> i'm as much about that as pot you know i can't it's hard to hate too much but you know i i wish for rankings and like those purposes it was a little more objective um the oklahoma's I, I would pick them to win the big 12 but whenever you kind of start manually messing with some of SP plus's numbers, Peyton, like the amount of win probability they've lost from last year to this year, heading into the season is a lot. I mean, they're like, say the ninth best team in the big 12 heading into the year, um, Texas tech, let's just use Texas tech as an example. Oklahoma plays Texas tech, uh, in Lubbock. They, I think based off what I've been kind of, te- you know, messing with Oklahoma would be maybe a 13 point favorite. 14, maybe 15 preseason. Mm-hmm. And like that's against Big 12 number nine. Now, OU would be a favorite against everybody, but like whenever you have that, because, you know, say Oklahoma is a favorite by six, that's typically like a 65% win probability for Oklahoma to win. Right. So whenever a 20 plus point favorite against Kansas State all the time, when you're a 20 plus point favorite, against TCU or a 20 plus point favorite against West Virginia, like your win probability is like 90%. (laughs) So whatever the big 12, number nine, you're a 13, 14, 15 point favorite against your win probabilities, you know, everybody's under 75%. And so like the chances for obviously losing have risen a lot for Oklahoma in comparison to what it's been in the past. So I still think like, again, they're going to be the favorite to win the big 12 in Vegas. Um, they're going to be the favorite to win every game that they play in this year preseason. Not obviously mm-hmm. things change as he just in the year, but yeah, I think, and obviously it comes to quarterback, like whenever you kind of get down to it, it's like, what does Dylan Gabriel look like? He's going to be facing a lot tougher defenses that are schematically much more advanced and designed to stop Levy's offense. Like the three, three, <laughs> the defenses in the big 12 are literally the way they are because of our brights. And people kind of lose sight of that a little bit, you know? Yeah, but I will say watching that uh, Arkansas game, it gave me hope that Levy won't just get completely shut down by the drop eight and the three three five on that point in time, that tight front. Um, it gave me hope that, that he won't just be completely just turned away and just ram his head against the wall. You know, like this recent staff that just left uh, would tend to do when it came, when it kind of ran into this umbrella type of, uh, you know, flooded zone coverage. So uh, – I'm hoping we we may have ran into the last of that. Uh, I mean, obviously, OU is not just going to run up and score every single, every single time they, they touch the football, but I, I hope the frustration of um, of being an OU fan is lessened when you run into these uh, Iowa State teams and Baylor teams and now Oklahoma State team as well that just you know rush four, rush four or five, or like a four or five, uh, a really really light box and just kind of dare you to you know, play it quick and, and, and short. So I think, we, I think, oh, you might be in a better spot when it comes just to that perspective alone. Cause I mean, Lincoln never really kind of figured that out to a certain degree. I mean, figured it out when you had Kyler Murray, uh, but I think that's Kyler Murray figuring that out for you. Uh, but you had a hard time with anybody else. He had, uh, you know, th- throwing the ball back there. So I think that might be one of the positives we can look at in, in the season and potentially knowing that just one defense, defensive scheme is not going to completely shut you down um, in the way that it did with Caleb and, and with Spencer. We've already broken down the uh, Ole Miss-Arkansas game, kind of like you said, mm-hmm. um, for this offseason. And 
the way that he Levy was able to adjust in game in the run game from the they were very zone based and running RPOs. And the next thing you know, they start doing this pin and pull action. And Peyton, I've asked around to like one coach will tell me it's and this is part of what we do. One coach will tell me it's bucks, it's a buck action. And one coach, it's like, oh yeah, that's just pin and pull. And it's like, okay, what is it? You know? So Levy was very innovative in the run game um at Ole Miss and at UCF as well and that even goes back to his time there I'm very very excited to see what he does in the run game as you know the 2019 post Kansas State offense is my favorite film study of all time um and so yeah I'm very very excited to see what they do in the run game and I think when you have that and if you we've talked about this before in this podcast we talk about privately everybody talks about it if there's one area where I do believe Jerry Schmidt's going to help, it's with the offensive line. And mm-hmm. obviously being around Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes and people in camps um, of them down in Mobile and Las Vegas, I think that that idea probably has a lot of credence to it. All positive things to say, though. Yeah, 100%. I don't think there's anything, any issue uh, with anything you'd said there. Uh, the, thing I, the thing I run into is I, I do wonder, because we're on the outside looking in, I do wonder how many maybe voluntary stuff got canceled or things they couldn't meet up because it was voluntary. I mean, surges were happening. People were having to go through. Omicron sure. came through. Like how much of this O-line stuff was actually able to meet? And, you know, I'm like the old line, oh, the old lion in that, um, in the Narnia movie. I mean, I remember when Brent Beanball was, was hired and the whole talk was he went into Smitty's office and he told him he needs to stop running his offensive line so much. Cause he doesn't want him so tiny. And he, you know, he really laid the law down and Smitty had to do something. Different. So I remember some of those talks as well of, you know, being Beanball kind of like saying, Hey, you can't be doing this stuff, but it, it almost seems, I think as we're getting further and further through this pandemic and further and further through COVID just naturally the O-line was going to get better if that voluntary stuff was able to stay put together. The culture was able to stay together more efficiently. And we've seen that through players tweeting themselves. We've seen it through players on their own little podcast hits and stuff. The culture seems to be better. The culture seems to be maybe more tight together at that point in time. So, um, you know, the guys out West maybe had a more of a professional, you know, aspect. I mean, I have, I, mean, I have associates that I can say, here's a project, here's what I want, and I can leave them alone and it gets taken care of. And there's other guys that I have to check in on and kind of work with and kind of move stuff around. And I think in college, you can't expect them to be professionals in the, at that level. I, I just don't think so. I think you need to be checking them out and being there with them. Um, and I'm kind of doing this as a weird little hard segue into Perion Winfrey. He goes out there and he plays for money. He, he proved himself that the, the top senior uh, interior, interior defensive lineman uh, at the senior bowl and potentially in the draft um, when it always didn't show up that way under Grinch and under, uh, you know, Jamar Kane under uh, Thibodeau. Uh, not, you know, we all think we can all say we all love Thibodeau and everything like that, but he didn't play to that level in which he should have been played. Now, was he out of position? Who knows playing a one tech versus a three tech, but if you are a borderline or, or quote unquote first year number one, uh, you know first round defensive tackle, um, and they put you at the one tech, 
I think you should be able to beat a a a center guard combo block, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's kind of the things that you heard down there. It's like he just was so up and down the first half of the year, and we talked about it. You know, it's you know all the people. There's a lot of people talking about, oh, he's getting doubled all the time. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, like this is happening, and like I went. It was a defensive tackle, like no shit. Yeah, and it's they so, get doubled. Yeah, and it's to the point of like when you see the final three games, I don't understand how that's even a conversation because that's how he should have been playing every snap the entire season. And we talked about that. Like if Perrin Winfrey plays like that every game, Oklahoma was a much different team completely. But he's an emotional guy. He's the emotional leader. You saw Jim Nagy's tweet from the, the mm-hmm. senior bowl, like how much he loves football. And you could tell he loves football. Um but he's just got to play like that with that kind of energy and that motor all the time. Because of, because a lot of mem- this all came up the last two days. No one mentioned, they mentioned flashes day one, right? He had a couple good mm-hmm. reps, but he also got, I mean, stone, stonewall on one, on two. He also got driven off the football a couple times on that first day. And then next thing you know, oh my God. Like, okay, I'm done talking about the negative stuff. Holy shit. That's the yeah, best think, I've ever seen him look. I think maybe he sat down and, and thought, because the thing with Winfrey, in my opinion, is that I've been around people and I've been around you know young men who thought, I'm super talented. Nothing can, I, I can do this. Nothing can stop me. I am extremely talented. And they just think they can just rely on the, that, you know, that borderline talent to a certain degree. And I know there's like the myth of the five-star player uh, where it's like, oh, they, they're not driven. They just rely on talent or whatever. Um, but Winfrey did seem kind of like that. He is extremely talented, extremely skilled. And the moment those type of people get punched in the face, it, it takes them a little bit and they have to sit there and think about it. And you can tell in OU's a couple of times he went, oh, crap. Uh, I'm going to blame somebody else. I'm going to, you know, say I was being held. I'm going to say, oh, it's a double. I couldn't split it. I mean, but when you're at the senior bowl, uh, the only, you're looking at money being taken from you <laughs> and I think maybe he he sat down and, and looked at himself hopefully and got on a call and, and they were like dude this is it I mean if you don't perform well here this is million you know tens of millions of dollars that you could lose uh and, and maybe it's all all maybe it's not all driven financially but um to me there there was obviously an external influence that um benefited him greatly if he turned it around from day one to the rest of those days yeah he oh my god like everybody obviously down there is connecting with a lot of people down in mobile after the mm-hmm. in the middle of the second day, you know, standing in the rain, by the way, for, that's probably why I'm sick. Stood in a cold <laughs> rain for four hours and watched football practice. Um, football weather. Yeah. Everybody was coming up to him was like, where has this been? I'm like, I told you guys, it's, it's just like Perion controls where Perion wants to go. And mm-hmm. like that, I don't think that's a negative comment to make i think that's what the tape says and i think that's what everybody is, you know is seeing and saying so yeah i think a lot of people that are saying you know, like he rose into the first round like let's like pause on that um what a lot of people need to remember about these events and peyton i know you know this but like even the combine like that's about 25 25 of what the testing and what the production was on those practice fields like that's that's probably about the most that's probably what takes up the evaluation down there um the practice and the testing like the rest of it's in interviews and talking to mm-hmm. those people because like everybody can watch tape 
everybody's got tracking devices now. So you can see how fast these guys are playing, how much energy they're playing with, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they know everything about you as a football player. The only part of the evaluation that you've got to be really good at, um, if you're a scout at this point, is, you know, being able to pick out the right people. And so kind of along those same lines, um, Isaiah Thomas, no surprise. Everybody yes. loves, some, loves him some Isaiah Thomas down there. Now, the whole him showing at 255, I thought, you know, was really interesting because I was like, are they about to work him out as an outside linebacker? But that he'll show up at the combine at 265, 270. He'll get back up. It was weird, man. And I know as a, uh, as a gym rat yourself, you're going to say, what were they doing? But at almost every player got weighed in right off the plane. Like, couldn't eat, didn't, you know, no workout. They just, like, kind of showed up and weighed in. Maybe that's not for every player, but that's why I was told he was at 255. Like, his weight, he weighed in at, like, 262 a week and a half ahead of time. And he's going to blow up the combine, by the way. Yeah. I got heard some of his early testing numbers away from Oklahoma. And he was, a, as we've talked about before, Peyton, like, and I could talk about this now for RPM data. He would have been, we would have liked him a lot, <laughs> like liked him, liked him a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, everybody loved a way of talking, not talking about how he practiced. And I thought he was good in what he did. As we all know about Isaiah Thomas, it takes some time for him to get comfortable. And once he kind of figures out who the other team is, um, who they're, how those guys play, he's a very cerebral player. He does a lot of, does a lot of film work. Um, and he and they, everybody I talked to down in Mobile gushed about him. Yeah, I mean, these players, the, the answer, the, my thought process on the off the plane getting weight stuff, you want to see them who they are. You don't want them to do any tricks, drink a gallon of water, and you know, you don't want to sure. say, were you putting the work in when you should have been putting the work in? You know, that that's how you can catch them, especially at stuff like that. Um, you know, because, you know, UFC fighters and stuff, I mean, you can make a 10-pound cut in a day if you really wanted to and you know stuff like that and you don't want that you want to say hey did the work you put in are you actually putting it in uh, or are you just kind of showing up here and trying to manipulate kind of artificially some of this stuff because you know you could pound back a bunch of water drink a bunch of gatorade and kind of get a little puffy do a bunch of creatine add some like salt in your water and stuff and kind of retain some stuff like that for a weigh-in and kind of hit your weight but that's kind of smart of them to do that to kind of like here's who you really are where are you putting the work in um and then like yeah the it stuff I mean, he was he was uh, the face of the, the the program on the defensive side. I mean, he was doing weekly shows and stuff like that. It makes sense that he he did really well. And he only has one negative, very small, quote unquote, negative thing on his off field resume uh, that I can remember. And it was a total mistake that he owned up to it. And, you know, it just kind of bounced off of my, you know, Teflon Don. I guess he got emotional. I'm sure his agents and them told him to do this, which is smart. But I guess he got emotional with one team, like when they asked about it. And they mm-hmm. were just like, Dude, this is nothing. Relax. Yeah. That's just who he is, man. Like, I would I would vouch for that dude eight days a week. So, rest of the Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl people, Tyrese Robinson. Um, not going to say climbed in the top 100 picks, but I think that that's a guy, you know, when you have – you do everything really well. He practiced well. He talked to teams well. Um, when you do that and – you're better there when you're working as a guard and as a center, Peyton. 
center. When you do that kind of stuff, you're going to rise up the draft boards a lot. Um, positional versatility is whatever, uh, you know, if you've got that value to you, you're going to have a really, really good shot. It was really, really good to see him um, play well. And then obviously the other offensive lineman, before I throw it back to you with Marquise Hayes, I don't know if it would should surprise you, but just his body type, we've talked about this, Peyton, like it's a little, he's shaped a little bit differently. Like he's, he's a, he's a guard. He's definitely an interior offensive lineman, but he's built like a tackle. Mm-hmm. And so he lets some guys get up into him too much. Um, again, down at the senior bowl, you know, kind of off balance. And I don't know if that's just his body type, you know, like he's just so big, like he's overbearing, but he's not, he doesn't have broad shoulders. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Trying to, yeah. So I don't know if uh, good for Robinson. And I wouldn't say like, I just think Hayes kind of confirmed what everybody knew about him. Does that? Yeah. I was going to say, does yeah. that make sense again? That was going to be my phrase tonight. <laughs> does that make sense? Over and over and over again. No, I mean, it, it, everything seems to make sense. I mean, it, it does. If you watched OU, the O-line the last two years, you don't expect any of those early guys coming out to be anything that would cause you to jump over the moon about. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting them to be at any point in time someone, um, you know, who, who would climb into that. I mean, I think my the guys who I knew for sure would be drafted were, you know, Perion, Nick, um, Isaiah, and uh, I'm forgetting someone. And, that's, and in my brain, I was saying, don't forget this person as I was saying it. Uh, uh, Asamoah. So I was like, those are the four. They're all four on the defensive side, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, anybody else, I was like, that's just, you know, icing on the cake to a certain degree. But if they get drafted, I mean, you know, with a fifth, 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 sixth, seventh round picks, they get on a team. Oh, you can put it on the graphic. X amount of players drafted, and that helps sure. out. They'll have, they'll have at least four. Also, Boa had a pretty – he it looked very natural in coverage, which I don't know if that's something he did at Oklahoma. Um, but he's certainly going to blow up the combine. Uh, everybody's excited to see him and what he runs uh, and what he looks like. And I said this while I was down there, Peyton. I kind of want to see him what he looks like at running back. I'm not just oh, sitting yeah. here and, like, yeah. copy what Abram Smith did from Baylor. But, like, genuinely, I would love to see what Osamo looks like with the ball in his hands, running. Because he yeah, looks yeah, so natural. Good. Yeah, the dude's – I mean, he's built – I mean, he is built like a, uh, like, a, like a running back. I mean, what is he, 6'1", 6'2", at most? He showed up at 6'2", 22 at the comp, at, uh, in Mobile. I mean, he's, he's going to be a small dude. He's going to be – he needed to show that sideline to sideline because that's – you're going to be an off-ball linebacker at that point in time. And as the NFL is transitioning more to where the Big 12 was eight years ago, you need a smaller linebacker who can move, you know, left and right. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, if he's a running back at that size, at the speed that he's shown off, he's doing pretty damn good. He should run in the low four fours at the combine. It's going to be some bonkers numbers that he's going to put up. Uh, so it should be a surprise – to anyone low four it's so fours. hard to evaluate fullbacks in these events they're so yeah, i saw a couple of clips and hall just look lost but um that stuff's totally dependent on a bunch of other things and the stuff there i mean he was like lined up in the eye formation and stuff like that the clips i saw i was like he's never had to do that <laughs> 
And I don't know if he ever would do that in the NFL. So it's a, it's a weird, weird spot for him. Yeah, man. Fun events though. Fun of fun of, uh, I mean, whenever you talk about like from the networking perspective, it's obviously great was out for business, um, in the last week, but it's, uh, you get a realization. We talked about this on Thursday, Peyton, that man, there's a lot of really good football players out there in a lot of different places. I mean, there's a guy down at the senior bowl from Fayetteville state. I don't even, I didn't know Fayetteville state was a school. <laughs> yes. That that's something I've, I've, I'll talk to OU fans about, or just fans of any college football team and say, you think these, you think the guys who are leaving your school are going to go in these rounds. You need to add another round to that unless they're Alabama, because yes, NFL is going to find the Fayetteville state dude. And that dude's going to go, in the first round are going to go in the second round and it's you're never going to know who they are <laughs> there was a linebacker from montana state now because of red dirt sport i knew montana state went deep in the uh, postseason this year if i remember mm-hmm. correctly but they had a linebacker and he was fantastic i mean fantastic at, at the senior bowl so maybe like i said this on thursday Maybe the 2017-18 offenses and the offensive line and quarterback play completely skewed my perspective for the rest of my life on what elite-level offense looks like. And obviously, C.D. Lamb and, and Marquise Brown as well. Oh, Mark Andrews, too. Dimitri Flowers wasn't bad. Uh, maybe that was, that was the outlier instead of chasing those things. But at the same time, too, it just was a re- reaffirming to me, man, that it is – it is really hard to have five NFL offensive linemen playing on your offensive line. Like that, like I said, like the best, some of the best offensive linemen I saw were from North Dakota state in the last week. That's so, a machine up there. That's a machine. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. I hope that would be one of those things. I know the senior bowl combine shrine bowl, those things like that's not like bucket list you know, level material stuff for a lot of people, but um, it's certainly something that I think people should take in and, and kind of take, you know, go in and see the sights and sounds and do those things for a little bit. Um, it's uh, those are pretty, pretty cool things. We miss anything. we got women's basketball uh, in. I think last best- week we forgot to talk about Gavin Freeman and that was on me. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a pretty big story in the state of Oklahoma in the last week and a half. They're going to bolster their PWOs. And I know Lincoln Riley did that, but I know there's a kid from, I believe, Alito um, and another couple local kids that are going to be preferred walk-ons that kind of have some interesting measurables. Um, so good to see Gavin Freeman's going to stay in the state of Oklahoma, Peyton, and be a walk-on for a little bit and get the uh, Drake Stoops treatment, considering I believe he is a uh, – who's dad played earlier? Hmm, I did not know that. I think Yeah, I think I remember something like that. Um, the, the thing that we have missed, I will say, I'm going to just kind of cut the cord on that one. The thing we have missed is, uh, Jeremiah Cordell, uh, medically retiring, um, will not be on the 2022 team, obviously, uh, due to that. Um, it, it, it's sad to see a career end. I mean, cause that's something I, I'm assuming he grew up thinking, Hey, football, this is my, this is my ticket out of it. This is my ticket to the next level. This is my ticket to generational wealth. And now that's, you know, cut short. Um, and at that point in time where we have to, you know, have to reevaluate what it is I'm going to do with the rest of my life and stuff like that. So, I mean, th- that's sad to see. I mean, as a football player, I was kind of like, well, you know, he, he's going to be in the program. He's just, you know, depth within the program. Um, 
but even then that doesn't mean you want to see somebody have to have this kind of thing happen. You know, like Brady will scream up and down about uh, Justin Broyles. I don't think he wants Justin Broyles to have to retire or something like that, you know, and see, you know, have someone not be able to finish out what they wanted to at college. So, you know, th that kind of sucks uh, for him. It opens up another spot uh, for OU um, to kind of take care of. Does OU still, when a player medically retires, does OU still honor that scholarship for him? Just yeah, so I would imagine that team? he's getting his school paid for. Okay, well, that's good. Um, and that's something to kind of look forward to. Um, and then like we kind of talked about some offensive numbers and stuff. Uh, I mean, scholarship numbers. So, I mean, I think we covered everything beyond just that last little bit. Should be an interesting week. I'm excited to see what college football has in store. We're about to get into the doldrums of the offseason. Um, not the deep summer, but the pickering has begun. National media hates Oklahoma somehow for some reason, which I can't they always do. It. I can't figure it out. Put your we're finger state, on it. We're a state of 4 million people, I believe, going against, you know, like, I mean, USC, obviously, it's, you know, you know LA's populations. What is LA's population? Let's look Matt, this up live. Look it up. Matt, Pull it up. Matt, take Pull a guess. Up, Matt. Matt, don't look it up. Yes. Oh, man. I don't even know. Double, uh, double oh, I, Oklahoma, or like somewhere around there. It, it'll be somewhere around Oklahoma's population California, as a whole. I think has like 153 million people. Okay, well, then never mind. More than double, I guess, would be my yeah, guess. Look at it. It, it should the be a 12. City of Los Angeles has, as according to 2019, has 3.967 million people. Oklahoma. And I'm assuming, is that the Metroplex? I'm assuming that's just a met. That's just that's just Google. Um, Oklahoma as a state has 3.957 million. So the city of Los Angeles has more people than the state of Oklahoma. So if you kind of look at if you kind of extrapolate that out via um, recruiting and everything, um, it, it seems to make it. E you know, if I'm just like a national media guy just parachuting in, it doesn't make sense that OU is good. It makes sense why USC can be good or, you know, Miami can be good or Texas can be good. It just does not make sense how OU's so good all the time. I mean, OU, you know, it, it bucks the trend. So it, it's kind of interesting, but I think that's kind of why. They can't quite put their finger on what makes OU special and it just drives them insane. The LAX Metroplex in 2021, according to uh, some historical, like, United Nations projections and a firm number is 12.5 million, but that was in 2019. So yeah, the entire Metro of LA is quadruple the amount of people in the state of Oklahoma. So yes, it makes complete sense selling to a media market like that. And, and Peyton, I would say this too, like they are kind of doing their job, like dirty corporate media BS. And I know people, I haven't talked about this too much because I'm, a nice guy, but, you know, former company I worked for, Gannett. I mean, like, they didn't care credibility-wise or they didn't care, you know, the validity of a statement or comment or post or, like, whatever. It's just like, nah, like, whatever can get the most clicks. So when OU fans are sending a meme out to every single OU tweet, you know, they're just like, okay, that's fine. Like, we could sell that to advertisers, increasing their engagement rate, but – I'm not going to say don't get your voice heard by any means. I'm just saying if you are doing it, just know that you're helping the cause. 
you're feeding as what people told me in Vegas, don't go feed the Vegas fund. You're just feeding the corporate media fund. Mm -hmm. So that's my two cents. Nothing else. That's everything I've got, man. We got to find a cooler way to wind these podcasts down, but no, that's everything I've got. Matt, did, did, did we miss anything? Yeah. Any, any of the show notes that we got? No, I think, I think you guys hit it all. Honestly, we got it. And we talked about Duke. That's really, I mean, that's what the people are here for. So yeah, I'm rating this podcast a 10. <laughs> According to rating podcasts, you should go on Apple and go on the Spotify rate and review. Leave us some good likes, leave us some good reviews, give us some suggestions, things that you, um, you don't like, but still give us five stars, uh, you know, Give us some bait so we can improve. I appreciate it. All right, get us out of your page. Oh, and one last thing. Boomer. 